welcome to episode 24 of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies Podcast. I am your co-host, The Father, also known as Pastor Matt, also known as Matt Rawlings, and I am joined, as always, by my trusty co-host... Jackson, the sun, and the only shining in my life is my computer screen at 3 a.m. streaming Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 on Tubi TV. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, garbage day! Uh, <laughs> and that's we, the reason I keep coming back to it. I know, I know. We were going to have a special guest on, Barely Ashley, but unfortunately she's ill. We wish her the best and hope to have her on very, very soon. We are kind of throwing this together last minute, so forgive us. We're going to discuss a recent release, and that is 2019's Dr. Sleep. When I was a kid, there was a place. Tonight. Don't miss the movie that has everyone talking. You're magic, like me. I always called it The Shining. The world is a dangerous place. These people, they hurt people like us. Well, hi there. Get out! Get out of my head! Get out! Critics are calling Dr. Sleep one of the best Stephen King adaptations ever. You sure you want to do this? I'm ready. An absolute triumph. You will scream for years. That's being hailed as a shining horror masterpiece. You should be afraid. Why is that? Because you don't know where you're standing. Stephen King's Dr. Sleep, rated R, tonight. All right, Jackson, what are your initial thoughts on Dr. Sleep? Okay, so I saw Dr. Sleep, um... Knowing that it was dividing people, knowing that not dividing horror fans, but but specifically Shining fans in general, I think Stephen King fans, and I heard that it wasn't getting a very good um, box office uh, report. I, I knew that it wasn't making a lot that much bank as you know was expected with It Chapter Two. So I went into it uh, expecting a pretty good movie, and I got that. I got a really good movie actually. I was surprised by it. Um, as a Shining sequel, I don't think this is totally uh, perfect, but I think as a Stephen King movie in general, this is a really fun watch. Yeah, I agree. I saw this in uh, in a theater with our mutual buddy, Jimmy Bays. Um, I had pretty low expectations going in. I mean, mm-hmm. despite loving everything that Mike Flanagan has done, I was thinking uh, two and a half hour sequel to The Shining based upon what I really thought was a mediocre book because I read it. Um, but man, he, I think he pulled it off. Yep. And did it even feel two and a half hours long to you? No, it didn't. That's a pro- well, maybe a little bit at the end, but for the majority of it, I mean, that's just the last act for the majority of it. It felt pretty well paced. Oh, I think the pacing is terrific. I agree that. It, yeah. The ending maybe could have been trimmed a, a, a little bit. And supposedly there is a longer, like three hour plus director's cut out there. Great. So I I want to see that actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, no? I feel like we I feel like what we got was pretty good. I don't I don't know if we need more. I feel like it might bog it down a little bit. I'm I'm afraid that what we'll get is more of the true knot and Rose the Hat, and that I th- thought was one of the weaker parts of the movie for me. I'm interested really? in seeing more uh, Danny and Abra. Yeah, I the one thing I, I will say is I didn't like naming her Abra. 
And I remember thinking, if her yeah. last name is Cadabra, I'm out of here. And I mean, she says Abracadabra during the movie, right? In the scene where she's a little girl. Uh, yeah. That, the writing that, was a little iffy sometimes on the one-liners, but it was very Stephen King. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about, I, about the cast. What did you think of the cast? Fantastic. Couldn't be better. Um, when I heard that... Uh, we were getting recasts of characters like Wendy and Danny from the original. We were going to see them in the 80s. I was a little wary. But then I saw them in the movie, and I was like, this is fantastic. The way they cast uh, Jack and, and Danny and Wendy was fantastic, and Dick and they all look the part, and I think they all do a really good job emulating the, you know, how the characters feel. And then the modern-day cast with Ewan McGregor and um, what's the, what is her name? It's like Hold on, I know it's like Kylie Curran or something like that. Um, Which one? Which character? Who played Abra? Um, yeah, oh, the actress yeah, who played yeah. Abra. She was fantastic, and I wasn't expecting. I mean, I know we've had like a renaissance of kid actors recently with like It and Stranger Things, but you know sometimes it's hit or miss. And she was fantastic, I thought, and I would argue that she, in a lot of ways, is the focus of the movie. I mean, I know Danny is. Dr. Sleep, he is the titular character. He's who we're, we're following from The Shining. But she actually seems like she gets more character development and more screen time, and I think that was intentional. But um, I haven't read the book, so I have no idea how this translates. Um, I've read I've read slivers of the book a while back, and I, I would tell people I've read the book because I read as far as I could and then I quit because I had better <laughs> Stephen King books to move on to, you know. But... Um, I yeah. thought everyone you, you were right. Ky Kylie Coran plays Opera Stone. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, she she was fantastic. The whole the whole I would say the weak point of the film cast wise are the people in uh, the True Knot and Rosa Hatz gang. Um, not saying these are bad actors, but I felt like they didn't get enough screen time to really develop their characters yet. They were almost portrayed as sympathetic sometimes, which I didn't really get, but we'll get into that later. So I feel like there's there's a great cast overall. The writing is a little iffy sometimes, and the ending could use some work. It's a little messy, but overall, fun watch. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to disagree with you about the true knot. I, I thought that they were really good. And not just passable. I mean, I thought they were were great. You you disagree? I when it's when they're in their like horror scenes when they're like they're killing. And this is a spoiler podcast, by the way. We usually mention that at the top I'm of the pod. Sorry. Yes, I, uh, I failed to mention that. I'm sorry. Like I said, we're throwing this together at the last minute. We are a spoiler podcast. We spoil the movies we watch. So if right. you haven't seen Doctor Sleep, go see it. Pause it, go see it, and come back. That won't hurt our feelings. We won't even know that you did it. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I I thought the entire cast was fantastic. I thought every one of them knocked it out of the park, especially Rebecca Ferguson as Rose the Hat. I think she delivered one of the best performances of the year. You disagree? Yeah. I, I mean, it's not bad. I like, like I said, the true knot is interesting. I like the the concept of these uh, creatures, almost these vampire sort of things that feed on the shining, like this this uh, spring of life. And I just when they're they're the horror scenes, like the scene where they're killing the 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 baseball kid, as I call them. Um, mm -hmm. That's terrifying, and they're really scary. But then when they try to make them sympathetic, almost like they're 
oh, we're just doing this because we're this group of, we're this family and you can't tear us apart. We've been doing this for centuries. I don't know how I feel about that, about them being sympathetic characters, because it makes you kind of indifferent towards who, like we see that showdown between Abra and Rose the Hat. And I honestly felt kind of indifferent until Danny comes back into the picture, because I think that the dynamic between Abra and Danny is what makes that uh, the writing stronger. So I did, I don't know how I felt. I it just, I felt more menace coming from the Overlook Hotel when we when we go there than with Rose the Hat and her band of of merry vampires in general. Yeah, I disagree. I think like the scene with the little girl by the lake, which is obviously oh, an homage yeah. to Frankenstein and you know right. that kind of stuff. Um, I felt menace. I I I didn't think that Flanagan was portraying them as sympathetic at at, at all. Why? Why do you think they were because of the death of like grandpa or something? What, yeah, what, the death why? of grandpa and and the scenes where they're like we're starving, we need somebody, and and they're kind of lazing about living the hippie life. And um, I don't know when when they die, Rose the Hat is like sad, and and we kind of feel remor- we're supposed to feel remorse, I guess. Especially um, Snake by Andy, I think is her name. Uh, she's the fifteen yeah. year old girl. Who I did not actually think I was like, oh really? They're trying to pass a thirty-year-old woman off. Well, actually, she is a teenager. The actress <laughs> is a teenager. Oh, is I she guess. really? I didn't know yeah. that either. Okay. I I thought she was just like some late twenties, you know, actress. They're trying to pass off as fifteen, but she's actually a teenager, which was surprising. But, um, I feel like I don't know. They just tried to make their whole plight sympathetic, and I didn't really feel that. I I felt like it was a little a little rushed and maybe not deserved. Hmm. Okay, I I came across I it came across to me completely different. I I felt no empathy for the true knot at all, um, especially because that opening scene, you know, with the little girl, and then you got the scene with the kid, you know, who just finishes little league game. I mean, that mm-hmm. I I thought they were menacing, especially Rose the Hats. I never felt any empathy for them, and I never felt that Flanagan was trying to portray them as empathetic. So. I just felt completely different about it. Okay. Yeah. I get looking back on it. Those two scenes are pretty terrifying, especially the part in that, uh, that like lakeside scene where, uh, the kid will look away and then look back and the, and the, the true knot, the, you know, they're getting closer and closer kind of every time she looks away, they get closer. Um, that's kind of creepy how they're, they're just kind of dead eyed staring at her. And then the, the scene with the baseball kid is terrifying. Um, but, like, the scene where Abra traps her arm in, like, a filing cabinet and they kind of have, like, a little mental sparring match. I don't know how I feel about that. I, I, it kind of it makes Rose the Hat small and kind of not menacing at the end whenever she's confronting Danny and Abra in the Overlook. I didn't really feel that scared for the characters. I was more scared of what the Overlook was going to do to Danny. Well, well, there's a reason why Danny took them to the Overlook, right? Yeah, I mean, but, because yeah, because right. he he sees it as also a kind of shining vampire. Mm-hmm. And it is. That's I think that's pretty much confirmed in Stephen King's original work, right? It's feeding off of the Shining that Danny and, and Dick Holleran are, you know, it it, it it's consuming residents and making them evil, kind of like what we see happen to Danny. Similar, similarly to his father, Jack, you know, how the hotel right. kind of possesses him. So 
I don't know. I just still, I, I think that it was a little forced to make her like suddenly become all menacing, walking up the stairs towards them, kind of like Jack in, in The Shining. And when we just saw this little girl kind of defeat you, her Freddy Krueger style. You thought that was forced? Really? Yeah. The, the scene where they're walking up the stairs is kind of like that Wendy give me the bat scene in The Shining. Well, sure. I don't know how I thought about that. I, I felt like um, when the when the homages were more subtle, I really liked them. Like like the subtle framing of stuff. I thought the part with the, with the red rum was was pretty good. Um, not not too in your face. But then they get to the overlook and Danny's looking around, and you see him peer through the axe hole, which is of course the most probably the most famous in pop culture. The most famous scene from The Shining, um, the here's Johnny scene. And we actually, if I'm not mistaken, we also see Red Rum in the hotel where Danny wrote it. And it just feels a little much that she's looking through the typewriter, just like that scene from uh, All Work and No Play mixed Jack a Doll Boy. They kind of try to recreate that a little bit with the typewriter there. And then they walk up the stairs. It's framed very much like that scene. I, I feel like it's a little derivative in the third act, whereas the first and second act were really good at subtly, um, om- like, referencing the shining book and movie in a respectful way i disagree um i actually thought the third act was the was possibly the strongest act with the exception of the very ending i I agree with you that the ending was was kind of strung out a little too much would you say that's fair what are you referring to you mean with um the very very thing oh with no 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 no, no. Oh, where there's like two endings, basically? Yeah, the post-overlook, yeah. Okay, yeah, I don't know. Actually, that worked for me a little bit, uh, where we see Abra kind of close the door on the bathtub lady, sort of like Danny had in the beginning of the movie. Okay, okay, hold on a second. We need to talk about that, because that's the one scene where I was confused. I was like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. What just happened? I don't think... I, I don't think it's the actual bathtub lady from the Overlook, that actual spirit. Um, I think it's just him remembering that, and he's locking away the memory of that, maybe. But then later, we see in the Overlook him open that box, and out comes the, that bathtub lady. So I don't know how that works. I guess I, I can just follow him. I don't see how he closed those boxes. I, I don't—did I, he— I, I, did he close those boxes? Yeah, so, so the way I interpreted it is that— He's basically the same way that he drinks to suppress his shining, to suppress his um, the, the memories of his past and his abilities. He's kind of doing that with the spirits from the Overlook. He's putting them away in these boxes, like like pushing them far further and further into his subconscious until the right moment to bring them back and kind of use them to his advantage. But where it doesn't work for me is when they can just follow him around wherever. I don't understand how that can work because... It was my understanding from the original Shining that these are inexplicably tied to the Overlook Hotel, and they can't leave. Like, once Danny and Wendy escape, that's supposed to be it for them, right? They left Jack behind to freeze in the maze, and they left the Overlook to be, you know, abandoned. Isn't that supposed to be it for them? And then we kind of see that they're living in Florida, and still these spirits are haunting Danny, and he's still—I I don't know how much that works for me. Okay, fair enough. I hadn't thought about that. I, to be fair to Stephen King, that's not the way it is in the book. I mean, in, in the mm-hmm. Shining, the book, um, he the the Overlook is gone, mm-hmm. um, demolished. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert for you know the Shining, the book. But in the book, 
unlike the movie, um, the, the overlook is completely destroyed. And in the book, Dr. Sleep, um, they return to the area of the overlook, but the overlook is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. Now, yeah, so uh, Stephen King has said that Mike Flanagan has actually redeemed The Shining, the movie. He <laughs> likes it that much. I didn't have a problem with that. I, Though you can argue logically, and, and, and okay, folks, forgive me. I'm, uh, I'm a lawyer and a Christian apologist, so this, this kind of stuff pops up. I can't just turn my brain off like other people I can mention who do horror movie podcasts. But anyway, um, that in the original Shining, if the Overlook was that effective of a shining vampire, that doesn't work in retrospect because they would just have attacked Danny. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't have needed Jack to go through everything he goes through. In the book, there is an illusion that Jack has the shining as well, but he's kind of suppressed it um, with with his drinking and in the book. But that you don't really get a, any of that in the movie, right? Yeah, and uh, actually, that makes sense now. I'm kind of I'm kind of piecing this together right now. So Jack is drinking to suppress The Shining, and then Wendy makes him go sober, right? And then when they get to the hotel, strange things start happening, and Jack becomes more and more demented. Um, could and the same thing kind of happens with Danny when he stops drinking, he starts having visions again in Doctor Sleep in the movie. Could it just be that? that the reason all this was happening is because Jack had had start stopped drinking. So the, the, the shining had a hold on him and could possess him. I don't know why it didn't possess Danny because he had, assume, we, one can assume that this five-year-old or however old he was, wasn't, you know, drinking hard liquor, but, um, I don't know. Well, it, that, and Dick Halloran doesn't seem to in the movie or the book. Right. Think he doesn't look as at the Overlook as a shining vampire. He just sees it as well. Bad things happened here, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's all he says when he and Danny are having ice cream in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Which... okay, there's there's a leap there. I, I mean, mm-hmm. Flanagan has made a leap there, but for the movie for Doctor Sleep, I think it works. Right. The continuity, yeah, there's a problem. I, I, I agree with you, there's a problem. There's there's a problem. Uh, though I see what you're saying about the drinking and so forth, to suppress the shining and so forth, and I, I, I get that. But the overlook is not that aggressive mm-hmm. in, um, in the original, correct? Yeah, what, does the overlook maybe just, uh, like, suggest things and kind of push people who are on the edge towards committing terrible acts of violence instead of, like, possessing them more explicitly? Well, yeah, there's that. I mean, because the way Flanagan, you know, presents the overlook in Dr. Sleep is that it's essentially like the true knot. Right. It's, it's just a—it's a shining vampire. Mm-hmm. But in the— Oh. But and- in the— original movie it's more of terrible things have happened here and there's a spirit that just kind of pushes for more terrible things to happen here for whatever reason i don't know misery loves company or whatever but Mm -hmm. 
isn't that how Stanley Kubrick's The Shining comes across to you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, now I'm on, I'm, I'm actually, with that logic in mind, that, that Flanagan wants the Overlook to be a, a steam vampire sort of thing. Um, that's, okay, I didn't get originally why the entities that live at the Overlook immediately attack Rose, but it was because she had just consumed all of that steam. You know, before she came after Danny, you could see her, like... Oh, okay, that's all a good this, point. I hadn't thought about that. All that, the steam yeah, okay. that she had inhaled, yeah. So they were attracted to that. So I guess that, that really is... It's just like the Overlook is this giant overseer, and it stretches these tendrils out in the form of these spirits of, of the twins, of the, the old lady, and all the weird things that you see, the butler, stuff like that. Um, so that's making more sense to me now. That was I don't think that was Stephen King's original intention, or... or even Kubrick's original intention with with a movie, like you said, but um, that it makes sense when you have that logic in mind. All right, you're you know what I hadn't thought that through. You're right. I mean that's that's a good point. That's yeah, that's a point in Flanagan's favor. Um, so okay, so the Overlook is more aggressive because it's Rose the Hat because she is a fellow vampire and she has all the steam, shining steam within her. Mm-hmm. All right, I all right, I'm 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 rolling with that. I'm tracking with that. Unlike Danny and 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 Jack and and, and so forth. Um, while we're continuing on with the cast, which I thought was in, was incredible, I think it's the best cast this year, other than. Parasite, The Lighthouse, and Us. Um, let's talk about the flashback scenes with mm-hmm. Wendy and Jack. First of all, yeah. did you recognize that Henry Thomas was Jack? Yeah, right, Elliot from E.T. Is he the guy yeah. that played? Yeah. I, I didn't know until afterwards. I, I realized I that he know. looked familiar. He doesn't really look like, he doesn't necessarily look like um, Jack Nicholson, but he has the... He's doing a pretty good uh, attempt at the mannerisms, like the. Oh, like I the... thought he, I thought he nailed it. I, I thought yeah. the, the actress who did Wendy, whose name is well, Wendy and Danny. Wendy and Danny were really good. Um, Absolutely. I got the guy that played Dick Holleran was perfect. I mean, I could. Oh yeah. The, just the voice, the speech patterns were perfect, and um, I think Jack actually was the weakest link, but. Also, it's really hard to replicate Jack Nicholson because he's such a recognizable person, um, and you've seen him in so many movies. Whereas with uh, Shelley Duvall, who, though I loved her in as Wendy, and I sent you a video, one of my favorite videos of all time. Yes. Hello, I'm Shelley Duvall. Um, she seems like a really great person, but I haven't seen her in a whole lot, so it's easier to pick out when something's wrong about the Jack Nicholson impression. Whereas somebody doing a Wendy uh, or Shelley Duvall impression can kind of do a more loose kind of thing. But I thought it was fantastic. I thought they nailed the look of the 80s. Uh, kind of got the, col- the color and the fashion going on. I mean, the set design and, the, and the, the hair and makeup was all fantastic for that. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that here in a second. Um, I... I... Did not recognize Henry Thomas, and I thought he did a great job. I thought the actress who portrayed Wendy did a great job. Um, I, I I was blown away by it. I mean, I thought the flashbacks. I am so glad that Flanagan did not do what Machete did in it, Chapter Two, and just de-age people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that could have happened. Um, and I just okay. Uh, you guys got to pick up the name I'm about to drop. Um, 
I met Jack Nicholson when I lived in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at a driving range close to Jerry's Deli in North Hollywood. And I had a buddy named Brad Schmidt, who's the guy who cast me um, to direct uh, my loan directing credit, which will, go, <laughs> which will go unnamed because it's like Voldemort. It's, I know it's what about, it is. Yeah, you've seen it, but no one else mm-hmm. will. And I hope they don't ever connect me with it because it's a video abomination. But that being said, um, well, I was at a driving range trying to learn golf. I gave up on it because I'd just come to hate golf. But at the time, I was trying to play golf. And Brad, my buddy Brad Schmidt, was a former hockey player at the University of Washington. Big guy, 6'4", you know, really stocky. And he was showing me how, you know, to swing. And he was nailing these golf balls in this driving range. And I'm standing there and we hear this nice little shot you got there. (laughs) And I turn around. We turn around and it's Jack Nicholson. Um, And he is what he portrays on screen. I mean, he's just Jack is Jack. And so... Um, I was really impressed. I mean, the fact that I didn't recognize Henry Thomas as Jack, the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, I thought they pulled it off. I thought that the, you know, the actress, as I said, who played Wendy, the, the, the young actor who played Danny, I thought they nailed it, man. And, and, and that's, look, I'm saying that's a major feat. Mm-hmm. You don't yeah, agree? I would agree. And I've seen The Shining. I've seen The Shining so many times. So yeah, I would definitely agree that them being able to pull it off. And I'm sure there, you know, there are definitely people who watched Doctor Sleep and could appreciate it who had seen The Shining even more times than I had. So just the way they nailed the look and the feel of these characters was was perfect. And I'm sure that it had a lot of Shining fanboys, you know, kind of squealing. Yeah, and I, you know what, I I really want to hear. And I mean this in all sincerity. I've thrown shade at Bill Shetty and Lady Phantom over at Horror Movie Weekly, and that's got us some bad reviews on iTunes. That's my fault. But Bill Shetty, to his credit, loves The Shining. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear, I always want to hear what Jay the Dead has to say. I want to hear what all three of them have to say about Dr. Sleep. I I really would like to hear that. Mm -hmm. You agree? Yeah, I'm interested just to see where everybody will stand on this movie a couple months down the line because it's easy to love or hate a movie with a burning passion within the month or within the year that it comes out but then after a while once it settles and you can rewatch it just as a movie objectively without any of the hype um i think that's where your real uh thoughts on the movie shine through all right let's talk about that um mm-hmm. rewatchability how much does rewatchability play into your rating uh quite a bit uh, if I watch a movie and I really, really like it, and then I try to rethink, you know, just think about what I just saw and think about if I would spend the time to watch that again, it can factor into my rating of it. It can factor into my review. Um, a perfect movie, in my mind, is entertaining all the way through and then has an incentive for you to watch it again with a new frame of reference, you know, with with a new... Um, thing going into the movie that will improve your viewing experience so as far as this movie goes uh with uh rewatchability i'm not so sure that it'll be something i'll watch in the immediate future but it'll definitely be something i come back to eventually okay i 
have a slightly different opinion because there are movies that I love, I respect, mm -hmm. that I don't necessarily want to see again, like High right. Tension or Audition or Funny mm -hmm. Games or um, Inside or whatever. Those are movies that I recognize as masterpieces, but I don't want to see again. Okay, so recently, um, The Lighthouse, mm -hmm. you know, which William Defoe and this pains me to say, Robert Pattinson, who I'm not a fan of or haven't been a fan of because really? I'm so anti-Twilight. I uh, think he's actually a pretty good actor. <laughs> well, I, you're right. He is. I mean, when I watched The Lighthouse, um, he's fantastic in it. Mm -hmm. He just got cast in three bad movies, the Twilight Saga. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and I so, mean, I think if I saw the paycheck that he got from those movies, I might consider. I, I, I understand it from an economic standpoint. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that from a, you know, as a former wannabe filmmaker and movie buff, I hated those movies. That, you know, and, and I have watched, I watched one of them. Um, mm -hmm. I, I did watch the first Twilight. I thought it was terrible. Um, I loved the sign outside of Comic-Con, Vampires Don't Glitter. Um, <laughs> you know, th that being said, Robert Pattinson is incredible in The Lighthouse. William Defoe is incredible. It will be in my top ten list at the end of the year. The Lighthouse will. I have no desire to see it again. So, right. I didn't think I would want to see Midsummer again, and I saw that twice. But can you see where I'm coming from, where you see right. a movie and you recognize how well made it is, the acting's great, all that kind of stuff, but there are certain things about it where the rewatchability goes down. Does that make sense? Yeah, I feel that way with slow burn movies a lot, where you devote a lot of time to a movie and then it's got a really satisfying conclusion, but you don't really want to go through the slow burn part of the movie again. So give me an example. Can you think of a slow burn movie you don't want to see again? Off top of your head, uh, or is that know. not a fair question? Maybe, maybe Midsummer. <laughs> I know I've talked about that earlier. But you've seen it how ago. many times? I've seen it twice. Um, I've seen it part the way through a third time. But I don't know that I wanted to vote. I mean, it's a masterful movie, and it will be on my top ten list. Actually, the more I think about it, and as we get closer to the end of the year. But, um, I don't know. It just it's it's really disheartening to watch you know those movies are the ones that don't have as much rewatch value for me the ones that just make you depressed all the way through and they leave you kind of on a am exactly. i even sane anymore kind of feeling well, i don't exactly. know that yeah. i don't know that dr sleep makes me feel insane <laughs> it's just kind of got a uh, okay that kind of ending where you're like i guess that really? kind of wraps up the story yeah, I don't I don't know how I, I I said so it's satisfying for me to see kind of like the the shot uh callback where Abra closes the door on the on the bathtub lady, but overall that ending was kind of underwhelming. How she talks to Danny and he's the spirit now and she talks about her dad like, "Oh, dad's really happy or whatever." And then that's the end of the movie. I feel like it should have ended with the overlook burning down and and Danny in the in the boiler room with his mom. I feel like it kind of should, should have ended there instead of going on with Abra. And I, I agree with you there. I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that would have been a stronger ending. I, I agree with you. Um, that being said, I still think 
this is a really strong movie. I'm, it's in my top 10 list right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same with me. It'll probably place in my top 10 list. I've written out a rough one, and it, it is in there. Um, I think it's around the same area on my top 10 list as another Stephen King movie from this year, which I've recently rewatched and really liked. But, um, well, yeah, let's, I, let's be honest. I mean, it chapter two, I mean, it has its problems, but can you tell, can you tell me there's a better supporting performance than Bill Hader no. this year? No, 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 no. I, overall, I think the cast of both of these movies are really good, but as far as uh standout, actor of the year it's got to be bill Hader as um richie and it chapter two because he was just fantastic the whole cast i think from it chapter two fantastic but of course we've talked about that in an earlier episode um i think it chapter two is actually more rewatchable um just because it number one it's i wasn't really a fan of the doctor sleep concept but as far as it chapter two goes, I really do like watching the conclusion to that whole story because I'm more invested in um, the characters, I feel like, than with Dr. Sleep. Not to say that um, the characters aren't good in this movie, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I feel. I don't know what? how I feel with rewatch value. Oh, I can't wait to see this again. I disagree. I think this uh, has great like rewatch I, value. Like I said, it's not it's not an immediate future thing for me, but I'll see it somewhere down the line oh man uh okay so um this was made according to wikipedia which i know you have to take with a grain of salt Mm -hmm. this was made between 45 and 55 million dollars it's only grossed a little over 67 which Mm -hmm. i look i don't know when i was in hollywood you doubled the budget because Mm -hmm. they doubled the budget for marketing so if they spent $55 million, it's conceivable, though probably not today because marketing is a lot cheaper with online marketing. But it's conceivable this was a $110 million movie. It's only made a little over 67 mm-hmm. which means it's set to lose money. Um, that, to me, is a crime. Mm-hmm. You disagree? Uh, no, no, I, I would agree with that. I feel like this should have made its money back, especially with the huge resounding success of, of it, Chapter 1, and I don't remember how it, Chapter 2 uh, did, they but did I'm sure it made well. a lot of money. It did very well, yeah. There you go. And and it, Chapter 2 was the number one grossing R-rated horror movie at that point, right? It was the, at the time, I think it was the largest grossing R-rated horror movie of all time, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So Stephen King movies were kind of in a heyday. I don't know what went wrong with Dr. Sleep. Maybe the marketing or maybe there just wasn't interest in the story enough. Um, I think it is probably more iconic than Dr. Sleep. But they did rely on The Shining in their trailers, um, I feel like. So I don't know why more butts weren't in seats. But um, well, yeah, the I, I would... that was a box office disappointment. That's true. And a critical failure when it first came out. Yep. Um, so maybe down the line, this will be a cult classic. Who's to say? All right. Let's talk about, though, honestly, as an aspiring filmmaker yourself, mm-hmm. how good is the production design and cinematography in this movie? Oh, it's beautiful. I think the way this movie is shot is beautiful with like the muted tones in some scenes and the vibrant colors in others. Mm-hmm. It is very 
um, Kubrick-esque in, in especially the Overlook scenes. I feel like he tried to emulate the camera styles and the very cold and distant feeling that you get from watching a Kubrick movie. And he did a great job. Uh, Flanagan and his whole team, I know he works with a team that he's kind of set aside. Yeah. Um, but he wrote the screenplay for this, adapted the, the book and the, and the original Shining movie into the screenplay. And I think overall... Everything on the surface is fantastic. Just looking at this movie, um, it it gives you kind of a cold feeling, but also an, it's, it's enticing. You want to keep watching, um, especially the scenes. I think the strongest scenes are the scenes with Danny, adult Danny, and seeing his character kind of develop as he starts off this kind of this drunk, almost he's kind of a loser, kind of a jerk. Um, because he's suppressed these memories for so long that he's starting to become his father. And um, we see this redemption arc for him. Um, he's got his friend who I'm forgetting, Billy. His, his friend's name is Billy. Right, who kind of right. gets him out of this rut. And it's that simple act of kindness from a stranger that kind of sends him back on, on a positive, um, you know, character development path. And um, I keep wanting to come back to the writing. You, you asked me about how it looks, but I've got to talk about the writing. Go for because, it. Go for it. Um, I am generally a fan of Flanagan's writing. His um, both styles of at adapting things like uh, Gerald's Game, and um, oh, Gerald's his, Game is brilliant. Right, the way he adapts King's work is really great, and his original work, um, Oculus. Right, was that his first? Uh, big... That's the first I remember. Yeah, that that's the first I remember. Yeah. Which I thought was brilliant, by the way, the way that was written and directed, um, and the ending is just crushing. But um, oh yeah, yeah yeah. I think the writing is both great and uh, subpar in this movie. It's what? great. It's great what? in the scenes. Yeah. Well, what? listen. What? <laughs> the one-liners in this movie. Uh, abrac abracadabra. And wakey, wakey, I remember there's a line where he says wakey, wakey, um, which was actually pointed out to me by my film teacher. There's just some laughable King, sometimes King dialogue does not translate to screen. Oh, um, well, King is very, yeah, it's very kind of 50s main mm-hmm. kind of, you know, kind of thing. You, you especially see that in Dreamcatcher or if you read the original uh, Green Mile books or so forth. Yeah, I... I I get that, but I didn't mind it here. Mm-hmm. I think some scenes are really great, like Masterful, the scene where Abra, who is actually possessed by Danny, is in the car with the member of the True Knot, well, the last remaining one, actually, after uh, after all of Rose's friends were slaughtered. And he's driving Abra in the car, and she kind of, she referring to Danny in Abra's body. It's kind of a weird scenario if you haven't seen the movie. Um, basically, engineers her way into causing the car to wreck and the the vampire to go through the windshield because he's immortal so why would he wear a uh a seat seat belt belt, right which i thought was a really great uh scene so i don't know there are some really great scenes and then there are some really laughable lines of dialogue that i think were probably studio uh like engineer like the studio was like okay now wouldn't it be funny if the character named Abra says Abracadabra after she's done a magic trick with her shining powers. 
Like when she's got all the knives. I, and, I don't know. If somebody, if somebody was dumb enough to name their kid Abra, I can see them doing that. Saying Abracadabra? As a young kid, yeah. As an adult, no. But as a young kid, yeah. Maybe it's just the way that she delivered it, or she was like confident, like this was a cool action hero moment. Abracadabra, you know what I mean? Um, and and again, wakey wakey is just when he he's when Danny is waking up the spirits of the uh, of the Overlook. He says wakey wakey, which was the first thing I had heard about the movie when my film teacher came in and he talked about it. He was like, "Great movie. The writing was really bad in some parts." He was like, "Danny says wakey wakey at one point." Um, but all right, I I didn't mind. That I'm just trying so to look at it objectively. I did like this movie. I had a really great time with it. I thought it was scary when it wanted to be and funny when it wanted to be and impactful, you know, whatever. But I'm looking at this objectively, not just as a horror fan, but just as a movie watcher in general. And I can see that the writing would probably distance some people. I just did not. I was not bothered by it at the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, looking back, yeah, the the. I don't like it when a movie has several endings, just like in Chapter 2. And so here I was I was a little bothered by that. That's the only thing that knocked my rating down. That being said, I thought it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you seem to be coming on as good, but be, but not great. Um, well... You'll see in my in my rating that it's a positive review, and it's a lot better than a lot of the movies that I've reviewed from this year. And as a Stephen King adaptation, overall, I might put put this in my top ten Stephen King adaptations, and there have been hundreds over the years. So, um, I think better it's really Children of the Corn. I know better than Children of the Corn three. <laughs> I know. Um, or Go Children back, of the Corn. Folks, listen to our Children of the Corn episode where. The couple is driving away with a rotting corpse in their trunk. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And that's all King. That's all King right there. I think that is actually in the short story. Yeah. He he makes some interesting decisions with his characters. I guess you could say they're not really people. They're just all dramatized versions of Stephen King when he writes his characters, especially his leads, who are usually retired writers or actively like newspaper writers or or whatever who conveniently act exactly like Stephen King and say things that Stephen King would say. But um you don't have this here. Not that mm-hmm. I remember. You don't have this in Doctor Sleep that I remember. No, 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 no. Danny is very different. He's he's a, and I think that's just because I I feel like in The Shining, Jack does have a lot of qualities of Stephen King overall. I mean he's a writer oh, sure. if you think about oh, it. Oh absolutely. No, that's one of the reasons why Stephen King hated uh, Kubrick's The Shining was that in the book, it's it's him. Mm-hmm. Jack Torrance is Stephen King. And Nicholson and, is very and in different. The movie, it's not. Yeah, it's very right. different. So I think the only reason Danny is is super different from Stephen King, whereas a lot of the adaptations or a lot of the of the adaptations of King's work have Stephen King as the main character, is that Danny was a character in the first Shining in, in the Shining book. So that was just the character that carried over. But there was a representative of King in The Shining, is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. Like Bill Denborough in It. And uh, the lead, what's the main character's name of Salem's Lot? I always forget his name. I can't remember off the top. He's I remember basically it was David King. Soul. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's just yeah. A, he's a writer who happens to be in town, you know, that kind of thing. Um, 
So, and I don't, there are some qualities I think maybe of Stephen King in Danny and that he was an addict who since recovered and, and doesn't, and kind of looks down on how they acted back then, but they, they're still kind of snarky and, and have that wit about them. <laughs> That's very Stephen King. Uh, which is just, it shows in this movie that the influence was from Stephen King more than Kubrick, I think. Visually, it's more of a Kubrick adaptation, but story-wise and writing-wise, it's more of a King adaptation, if that makes any sense. And I think that's why Stephen King uh, gave his seal of approval to this movie and said that it, it redeemed the original Shining movie. Yeah, I agree with that. Um so what else do you want to talk about with Dr. Sleep? What else is on your uh, docket? Because I know you've been taking some notes. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I Like I said, I haven't read the Dr. Sleep book. But how faithful are the events? I know you said that the Overlook is gone. It's been demolished, which makes sense because the Gradys were all killed. And then uh, Jack tried to kill his family and he froze to death and Dick Holleran was killed. They would demolish. Well, he, the, in, the, in the book, The Shining, the, the boiler that he's supposed to look over. Oh, that's right. It blows it, up. It yeah. blows up. Yeah. Sort it, of it like destroys. what happens at yeah. the end of Dr. Sleep, the movie. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which is something that was kind of weird for me, that they adapted both the Shining book and the Dr. Sleep book and the Shining movie, and they kind of hobbled it all together. They, they kind of made this big pie, this big soup of all of these different ingredients, and it just had this vague, you know, this the, the backbone of the Dr. Sleep book to work off of. It was, it was kind of weird to me. I felt like um, the beginning was a very different movie than what we got at the end where we're following Danny and Wendy at the beginning. And then we kind of get a callback to that when Danny is at the bar talking to um, Jack, and he's talking about how Wendy just died um, at some point. Well, I don't remember. How did Wendy die? I know that Danny said that he anticipated it because he could see the death flies on her. But did she just die of grief or something? I don't think they, I don't remember, but I don't think they stated it. I mean, she could have died of cancer or what? I, I have no idea. I don't think they stated, I don't remember them stating it in the movie. If somebody, if I'm wrong, shoot me a message on Twitter, but I, I don't remember them stating how she died. How did she die in the book? And the, how did they explain that? I don't remember. Mm. Uh, I don't remember them even spending that much time with Wendy in the book. That's weird. They spend most of their time with Danny, Abra, and the True Knot. Mm-hmm. Which, that's kind of weird, because she, in a lot of ways, emotionally, is our way into the Shining movie. I'm not so sure about the book, but she's kind of the protagonist of The Shining um, overall. I mean, Danny is, is has The Shining, and he's kind of the way that they uh, are drawn into the story in a lot of ways, but Wendy is kind of like the viewer. She's kind of like the audience because she's just going crazy as everything goes crazy around her, but she still stays sympathetic. And the way that she was just kind of written off, like, oh, we've seen her in a few scenes and it's great and it's refreshing to see her again. But then she's killed off screen and, you know, when Danny's talking about it and it doesn't really make any sense. Um, That was a negative of the movie for me. But that whole scene overall of him talking to Jack at the bar and Jack acting like Lloyd, uh, just like the bartender and the original Shining, who was actually Grady, who had killed his whole family. Um, that was really cool to see that 
he's still kind of trapped in the hotel, like was inferred at the end of the Shining movie. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, um, I'm embarrassed to say I didn't give that much attention to Wendy's character, except in the flashbacks. I just mm-hmm. assume that she died of cancer or something like that. Um, I mean, she has a smoker in the original movie and stuff. So I just kind of assumed right. that I didn't really put that much thought into it. Um, but it sounds like um, Danny was young when it happened. So if so, I mean, she didn't have a lot of symptoms in those flashbacks. I mean, Danny was talking about being a little kid when she died. So I assumed that something like drastic had happened to her. I, I'm not so sure about that. I've seen, as a pastor, I've seen people diagnosed with cancer and die two weeks later. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've seen that happen. So that's true. I, you know, I didn't, I, I, I didn't put that much thought into it, but I was so engrossed in what was going on at the time, um, which I think is oh. the strength of this movie. Do you think that um, Danny, his first uh, time being the Doctor Sleep character, being the the person who comforts a dying patient was with Wendy. Do you think he gave her that Dr. Sleep moment when she was dying? Could be. In the book, if I remember correctly, he's kind of suppressed his shining altogether, which comes into play where the true knot, you know, in the movie you see uh, Rose the Hat being like, how did we miss you? Well, he's been suppressing his shining. Mm Mm-hmm. Until right. he gets sober and gets to hospice care and all that other kind of stuff. Um, so from the book's perspective, I don't think so. Okay. From the movie, I think it's a little muddled. Right. Because he wouldn't he have to use The Shining to put his memories in those boxes and put, put the spirits in those boxes in his mind? Yeah, but it, I think in the book that was early on. Right. Um, I think he did that early on. So I don't think that was something that was still going on when he was an adult. Okay. I may be wrong about that. You know, it's been several years since I've read the book, so people can correct me on that. But I think that's I think that's right. Mm-hmm. All right. I got that. I'm, I'm starting to follow the logic a little bit more of this universe. So what else do you want to talk about with Dr. Sleep? I think that's about it. Just the... Overall, I think this is a strong movie. Even though I've I've talked about some of the weaker points of the movie, yeah. I would I would suggest that you watch it and formulate your own opinion because I still would recommend it. I still think it's a good movie. It's a great uh, Stephen King movie. Flanagan didn't disappoint. This isn't me telling you that his career is going downwards or anything. This is still a really good movie. And based on what I'm hearing, Doctor Sleep isn't that strong of a book necessarily. So um, I didn't think so. No, just I thought it was st- mediocre. Yeah. Right. So the strength of this adaptation shows Flanagan and his whole creative team. You know that they're um, they're genius in this new horror wave that we're seeing with all these younger horror filmmakers like Peel. So. I'm interested to see what he adapts next. I hear that there was supposed to be a Dick Holleran movie, but since this movie didn't get very good box office returns, I'm not so sure that's going to happen. And if it does, it'll probably, probably be not. a streaming service sort of thing. Yeah, probably not. So. I don't think it's going to happen. So as far as ratings and recommendation, I said, this is in my top 10 list right now. Mm-hmm. Um, probably will be there be there in the end of the year. I mean, there are some films that I'm hearing some buzz about that I haven't gotten to yet. 
uh, Little Monsters is one, which HMP just gave a really good review to. Um, I know you're not going into this with an open mind, but I'm going in with an open mind to Black Christmas. Uh, yeah. Uh, we'll see it together. But anyway, we'll do a Black Christmas versus Black Christmas versus Black Christmas episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm excited for that. But we'll do that. But hopefully we can have a cool guest on like Greg Amortis or Dr. Shock or somebody like that to talk about it or Jay of the dead or whatever, but we'll, we'll do that. But this is in my top 10 list in the year. I gave it on letterbox. If I remember correctly, a nine out of 10, Whoa. I said it's a see it in the theaters. Um, I think it's really strong. Your rating and recommendation. This is the 7.5 out of 10 for me, closer to an oh, 8 than a 7. Oh, come on. Closer to closer to an 8 than a 7. I would say I would recommend that you see this um, whenever it comes out. If you can stream it, great. If you can buy it, sure. Um, this is a fun movie, I think, if you're a Shining fan, the book or the movie or both, just to see it and, um, you know, see where the universe went. If you're not interested in reading all 1 million pages of Dr. Sleep, as I'm sure it's very long. <laughs> as every king almost every king book is from right with the exception of like carrie um mm-hmm. he got more long-winded as he got along but anyway 531 uh, that's okay. the dr sleep page count wow and the that's shining pretty, was only 447 that's pretty well yeah like i said early on he was much more economical than he has been but like i said this is my top 10 list i love it see it in theaters please go support it guys it deserves a much better financial fate than it's getting right mm-hmm. now um, I do plan on buying this when it comes out. Um, so um, I think you should definitely see it, buy it. Uh, what else have you seen lately? I know you've seen a certain Ryan Johnson movie lately. That's right. I saw the mystery, murder mystery, I guess you could call it, movie Knives Out, which I was hearing a lot of buzz about. I mean, right now on Letterboxd, it sits at like a 4.2 which is wow. extremely high for for a uh, movie of this of this kind. I mean, coming off of The Last Jedi, which was really divisive, um, Knives Out is doing really Even well. Even though it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, so um, I watched Knives Out. I gave it a 9.5 out of 10 on my Letterboxd review. I thought wow. it was fantastic. No loose ends with this one. Um, I recommend you see it and see how a real murder mystery is done. I mean, it's very much reminiscent of Clue, with Tim Curry and and um, I'm I know that's a huge cult classic, so I I saw Knives Out, which I thought was really fantastic. I saw a short film on YouTube called We Were Not Made for This World, which I gave a pretty high review just because the concept was really cool. Think C3PO and R2D2 wandering Tatooine, but it's that for the entire short. They never arrive at uh, the Jawa Sandcrawler or anything. Um, I also saw the Star Wars Holiday Special, except not really. I actually watched The Mandalorian <laughs> and, and logged the Star Wars Holiday Special because I there is no I way to log not, The Mandalorian. I have not seen The Mandalorian yet. I don't have Disney Plus yet. so I've seen the first three episodes, and it was really good. Okay. I have to check it out. So um, that's what you've been watching. As I said last week, I saw The Lighthouse. I've seen Parasite. They're incredible. They're in my top 10 list uh, along with this. So where can they find you online, buddy? Well, on Letterboxd, I'm at Kane Hero. That's K-A-I-N-E-H-E-R-O. On Twitter, I'm at Kane underscore Hero 12. And I have a YouTube channel, which is linked in the bio of both of those websites. All right. And they can find me under Pastor Matt R on Twitter 
And on, um, you can also find me on Instagram. I'm not sure why you would, because I never post anything there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can also find the Father and Son Watch Horror movies um, at fatherandsonwatchhorror.com. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. You can also find us on a closed Facebook group. You just have to friend me and tell me what, you know, why you're there, and I'll put you in that uh, Facebook group. And so you can go there. Um, and also you can find at Father and Son Watch Horror, you can find all of our past episodes, even though right now they're all on iTunes, but eventually some of those will disappear, but you can always find them online. Surprisingly, the majority of listeners that we have go to our website instead of iTunes. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I was surprised by that too. I think it might be because, you know, it's linked right in the the tweet that we tweet out, but, um, yeah, that's surprising. It's great to see that the website is being used by people, you know. Oh, the website is getting, like, mad hits. And so mm-hmm. um, we appreciate that. Um, you can go there, find our blogs. We have some blogs there, including top 100 horror scenes, top 100 horror performances, all that kind of stuff. One of these days when Jackson's not a full-time student and filmmaker and all that kind of stuff, he'll be able to blog some more there and some movie reviews and all that kind of stuff. So go there. We don't have a comment section up yet because I just don't want to deal with trolls, but eventually, <laughs> eventually we will. One of these days when I have time, we'll, we'll get that done. So, all right, buddy. Anything else you want to say to our loyal listeners, which we appreciate? Uh, no, just keep watching horror movies. Keep supporting them when they come out in theaters because we're seeing a really great renaissance. You know what I mean? With, with horror recently. So I want to keep this ball rolling. It's been a strong year, hasn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been a lot of fun. So, all right, guys, that's all for us. Jackson, say goodbye to the good people. Goodbye, and remember to banish the creepy old lady in your bathtubs to the nether realm. (laughs) All right, folks, remember the family that watches horror movies together stays together. Until next week, hopefully with Barry Ashley, we'll see you soon.